Well, folks, welcome back to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast with part two with Andy Parker. Know your button. Hi, folks. This is George Lynch at Legendary Gear. The game call company is Legend by Design. If you get a chance, go to LegendaryGearUSA.com. Check out the wonderful duck and goose calls we use to hit those buttons. Also, go to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast. Hit that special button to like and subscribe. Sit back, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Um, this place we're going on Saturday with some old buddy, old clients of mine. We just we slayed them last year down in there, just with this old crappy set of decoys, um, good cover, and uh, setting up these these bird bank setups and with good calling. It just it still works to this day. My same old spots are just they're they're still great. I uh, here we call a lot of what you call banks, or I mean we'll have loafing ponds, loafing ponds or loafing areas. And that's where the birds, instead of uh, flying back, you know, they'll go, they'll be off, they'll be on a roost, could be a big lake, whatever, they'll take off and they'll fly and go feed. And then instead of having back to the, the lake, they'll go back to a loafing pond. And, yep. we're, and it could be a cow pasture, it could be a golf course, um, and, and basically kind of hang out. But it's going to be somewhere where they feel safe. Yeah. And, and, and duplicating that is the key to running traffic out here. It may be somewhere like out west or, or wherever you're out. Um, it may be just in a cornfield that, that's on the flight path. I would consider that running traffic as well. But out here, my traffic was setting up these fake staging areas or loafing areas and getting under birds and, and relying, honestly, George, on people because I just couldn't afford to bribe every farmer and you just can't get permission because they got buddies hunting whatever i'm relying on those guys screwing up scaring the birds flaring mm. the birds shooting at the birds whatever and then they come and see this staging area and say hey there, there's the geese let's go chill out and then they get shot again which is kind of cool but hey it is what it is no it's uh you know i like that but you um depending on other people that uh you know, messing the birds up for you and sending it. That's just, and that is true, and it does happen. And and um, you know, it's like That's here. Go out Saturday. I'm I'm not kidding you. Saturday is the day to go out if you're going to run traffic around, at least around here. Ah, <laughs> more pressure the better. You know, it it makes sense. It does make sense. I don't set up. I honestly, George, these places that I go, I have never, hardly ever seen a goose city. No kidding. They're just visually appealing from the air on travel routes and they see those decoys and they hear that calling. So I don't have to compete with other folks like getting permission for a couple of these places that are private. And then obviously some of the places that are public. Um, yeah, if you can get there first, great, but you can always go North or South or East or West and do the same thing and, and still be on that same kind of travel corridor and attracting these birds that are, either newly coming in birds or birds that they're just, you know, they're getting shot at or spooked or um, there's not enough rest around here. So, so you, you know, it sounds like that you don't have the time to do the scouting as much as you'd like to. So you're not really hunting on the X, you would say as much as you are hunting traffic birds, correct? Almost exclusively traffic when I was guiding. Now, you know, I'll go out and I'm not, I'm just, I'm not busy this time of year. I, I goose hunt for the thrill of just killing geese. And I've got some old clients that love to go and I take them out, you know, half a dozen times a year, but I'm, I'm more or less done hunting now. Um, that 
stuff shut down. So um, my guiding now is, is, you know, four or five, six weekends with the same guys that I've been hunting with for 30 plus years. They love to go. I love to take them. And uh, we hunt predominantly private property uh, down in the river and, and some of these little frozen ponds. And I just like to get, get under the birds and uh the calling seems to uh make a very big difference hmm. do you uh do you is your spreads the same whether you're hunting the x or hunting traffic way different yeah the x is more or less you know ray gave me some old hardcore decoys they're pretty wore out um but they're good what i love those original hardcores let me tell you i got Ray gave me like 30 of them and, and, uh, I'll take a dozen of those. If I'm on the ax, um, I'll just take a small set. I, I just don't think you need a big set if you're in the right spot. Um, the sets that I use down on the ice are usually five to seven dozen somewhere in that country. Yeah. Pretty good. They're, you need to have a visual, visual, black mob down yep. that seems to help and then a lot of flagging and a lot of of aggressive calling when they're out and then once they see the flag and, and they've they've picked out the decoys then it's that that finesse of those small tonal you know those tonal sequences that seem to fool them they just they lose their sense of they're just stupid to be honest with you a lot of times they'll come right in in fact a couple of times last year i called the same flock right back in three times a couple of different times last year after we shot at them they'll come right back and kill the right bird they'll come right back and uh, get shot again so it 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 seems to be pretty effective have you hunted with ray yet this year it was dad i haven't yeah i haven't hunted with ray well we went we went snow goose hunting together. It was the last time we went two years ago. And we, we were supposed to go again this year. Uh, and uh, there was so much snow. I was not putting out 1,200 decoys in a foot of snow. It was just seemed senseless to me. But um, <laughs> right. there was a lot of snow geese around. But, man, that just getting all that gear out in the field. And I'm just I'm too old for that stuff. Yeah, so. We just don't have quite the ambition we did 20, 30 years ago, do we? <laughs> No, it's like this main place that I go, I'm not going to give it away to the listeners. I know there's a few guys that know who I am out here, but uh, it's it's a very short walk on some private property that I just have a dear friend that owns, and uh, uh, it's like a 150-yard deal, and I, I love that place because we just slaughtered the geese down there last year, and uh, it's a really short, quick place, and, and I, I like that. <laughs> you out there do you your spots that are very good for the geese are are they still are they conducive to producing ducks too or or your duck yes, areas absolutely yeah i take all the neighborhood kids out to my my son is 17 and he's a senior in high school and he's got a bunch of buddies that just absolutely love uh, way more than my kid does that's cool so we'll all round up all the neighborhood kids four or five times a year and uh run them out and they just they love it especially the they don't kill any geese every once in a while they'll get one because out of sheer luck but um they love to go shooting geese with uh, uncle andy for sure uh, you, you need to you need to start taking them snow goosing because they use the young bodies to walk through that foot of snow to set decoys <laughs> yeah i took him and yeah, he'd never been snow goose hunting man i'll tell you what i was 
that was we don't have a lot of snow geese out here but that was the best snow geese hunt i've ever it was eight solid hours of just snow geese over us it was insane for utah it was pretty spectacular but yeah uh, that's another that's another show because i am not a snow goose hunter if i had fish and um not i'm i'm i would say i am low at the bottom of the totem pole as far as snow goose knowledge because we just don't we just we never even had a hunt until like the last three years of my guiding career we we got a spring hunt and i i dabbled in it enough to to make a little bit of money but to also realize that i was ill-equipped and not willing to spend that much money on something that was making that that little on you know what i mean exactly exactly (laughs) risk and reward (laughs) well it's 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 gone to the duck here and and, you know the 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 you got just like here you know you're different subspecies and and stuff and we and you know here with our main you know i mean duck call i'm using is 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 a mallard i'm using a mallard hen i use a mallard hen you know i don't have a pintail whistle i mean you could use i use a drake whistle to do the pintails and and maybe a little peeping with the with teal but um majority of, of, of out here guys calling ducks is, is done with a mallard uh, hen call. I agree. And I, I think that's, if I was going to make a statement about ducks around here that have a, if, if there's a duck that, or a group, a, a, a certain set of noises that will turn almost everything, it's a mallard call. And I have a theory on that. I just think that, that mallards are so prevalent and so vocal that, especially out here, uh, the bird banks, the places that, that hold birds where they're not getting buggered, are, there's literally tens to hundreds of thousands of, of birds grouped together, all species, and they hear those mallards quacking all day long. When, I, when you're hunting, when I'm out on my club, uh, not my club, but the club I work at, uh, guiding, and I'm close to these, these rest areas that we have out there, it's just nonstop quackathons from those mallards. So, um, the three species that I think you can really turn uh, with different noises would be mallards first, and then widgeons second, and then maybe some gadwalls, sometimes some pintails. But I usually use a I usually use a mallard call to turn those birds. Sure. So it, you're. Uh sequence do you have any special remedy or special formula like you do for the goose that um on the ducks or is it you got you 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 said earlier that you're running my duck call and you had a story uh i'll let you get in into the ducks well i gotta run i gotta go to a cornfield uh last week on monday me and another guy that i work with uh gotta go to this amazing cornfield and we were working all day and said hey you know you got an opportunity to go hunt this cornfield go ahead and hunt it so i had i had a dozen (laughs) psilocyte mallards in the back of my truck from just picking up all my gear from work and then uh, i think we had a dozen maybe two dozen no a dozen dozen and a half of these uh these old silhouette goose decoys and we're in this very very large cornfield uh with you know like 20 decoys hilarious so the amount of calling that i did that day uh last monday was probably more than i do in a week of hunting my face hurt george from all the calling i did wow but that was the only way we were getting these birds to come in it was really fun man because i was absolutely squawking at these birds 
uh, and I took this little call that you gave me and, um, I'll blow in a little bit. Um, but I definitely want to talk about the difference between ag and, and what we do out on the marsh. Cause it's very, very different. So if you want, I'll have to go through the ag first. Please do. I, this is interesting. Um, when we're hunting, I was hunting the cornfield. These birds are in big flocks and they're very vocal. Um, I blow a Haydell's call for the most part, so this call of yours is way easier to blow. So I may break the read over and sound like an idiot, but I'll try not to do that. Um, but this new call, I've, I've blown it just a few times, and uh, man, it, it's just uh, it worked so good that last Monday. Well, you sound good on that, and I'll tell you what, though, what's neat about that is that a lot of times, especially here, ducks, uh, guys overwork them too much, and they don't let the, you know, you'll hear guys say, man, you need to let those ducks work, you know, and uh, you're hitting the call, and I, I believe that sometimes, I but I believe that you could call more it's just it's when you call at them, but I'll get into that later. But I like what you're saying. You know, it's kind of a little different that you had to stay on them to, to keep them, or you were going to lose them. And uh, twelve decoys. Yeah, <laughs> twelve decoys in this giant field. Uh, and man, I was like underdoing it, and they would just lose interest. I was squawking those things right. Oh, we ended up getting twelve greenheads. And there was one beautiful Drake pintail in there, and I killed it. And then I called a pair of geese in uh, with two dollars to ten silhouettes, and we got a pair of geese too. So we got uh, thirteen greenheads, a Drake pintail, and, and a pair of geese, which was a uh, was a pretty fun hunt for a couple of guys that just got off work and uh, had limited gear. We had basically nothing to sit on, <laughs> uh, nothing to hide in, but but this cornrow. You know what? I think that's what makes those hunts or those hunts fun is because you didn't have everything. It wasn't a perfect. You went out there and and you know we're kind of kind of old school a little bit here and and but you know dang it was just one of those days that the ducks wanted to hear you know and, and I'll be honest with you 
I love running a call. If I could run a call all the time in the birds, you know, I, I I'd love that. I mean, I'm tuning oh, calls all every day, uh, and 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 like, like you call, said, Uber call these things, George. It was fantastic. Yeah, and, and you and you know as well as I do, any time that an animal responds to a vocalization or or something that you're doing, it's just that it increases that utopia of a high even much more. Oh, you yeah, know. Yeah satisfaction goes through the roof and i think that's what this podcast really when we talked about doing this is this concept of buttons um what turns my crank is like i said you're you're telling the birds where you're at or the ducks or the geese or the turkeys or the deer or whatever you're calling at you're saying hey i'm right here uh so you better do it right or you're gonna not uh, have much success so um, if you want to dive into some of these other birds that we have out here and, and this different technique that I use for a, a, a water bank uh, to a water feed, if you want to get into that. Yeah, let's um, it's, get into to Utah. Well, you've been out to Utah. You see what we have out here is this vast expanse of these very, very shallow marshes that are just they're massive acreages. And the birds come off a what we call a bank or a rest area, or a non-hunting area, or whatever, and they, they make these foraging flights out for specifically sago pondweed. Um, we have salcornia out here. We have alkali bulrush seed, widgeon grass. Um, but the primary food source out here is, is predominantly sago pondweed. Uh, and so we're getting a, a basically a water-to-water movement, and I think the calling is way different. So... Um, I'll go back to my other call, and if I see a mallard go by, I'll blow it a little bit at his approach, but I'm really looking to try to turn him if he passes the blind. And I'll use this note here for that. Really high, but only four or five notes. Yep, just doing that really, hand cadence. Really strong at the front end really hard and strong that first note is you can almost see the sound when it hits their brain and it just they do a 180 and just block up and come right in um that's my that's my bread and butter kind of situation when i'm hunting ducks water to water but i don't call nearly as much as i as i did the other day so and that's a good point um and if you listen i know like here you know we've funded some of these uh flooded timbers and flooded ponds in in, in midwest and you get in there and um you know there might be three two to three thousand birds on there and uh we'll go in the morning and usually we wait till they fly off and then go in hurry up and set up and, and just take a few decoys we've done this so many times but you'll sit there in the dark and if you just close your eyes you want it listen and emulate to what you hear on that water because that is the refuge i call refuge talk and you'll you'll hear a few and 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 like you said even though there's so many different subspecies of of ducks that's on that water what you basically was sticking out the most is the mallard that mallard hen and uh And and what on the water where she's on the comfortable, she's in her she's in her range, she's at her home, and then that's where she's floating around, and she'll get that, wah, 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 wah. you know, <laughs> yeah, and it's four, not a lot of notes, man. It's three or four or five notes tops, and, and that's 
And she's just kind of like letting the, the hens or the drakes. I think she, to me, she's letting the other hens know that, hey, I'm the mama hen. I'm I'm here. And um, and then because now and then you'll hear a, a, a um, an immature hen that will come and you'll hear her. Wah, 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 and then, wah, 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 you'll hear that higher one. But if you listen yeah. and, and it's like you said, it, it's four or five notes. And uh, it's you know it's nothing fancy and and to me that's why the water you call it your it makes total sense you're talking about your water calling because that's the sound on the water that they're doing you know in in an area that they're relaxed you're and when they're in feel like they're in their living room this is the yep. sound that they're making and I think that's why it works so well and that's why it has to be it can't be overdone you know the field calling can it, it's just you're just showing that and and excitement um because you're on the food source and yeah. you know, and yeah, they got one thing cool. on their mind they have one thing on their mind and that's to feed and they see you on the food source and so each time, you know, they're not thinking about they, you know, they're not that intelligence where they're thinking, oh man, that was only four or five notes. I don't think that might be a duck hunter. You know, it was just animals. And I've said this uh, several times. You and know, I've talked before. You know, they don't have a, a a Webster's dictionary full of, of of words that they say. Their language is based on emotion. And, and Absolutely. you know, whether Absolutely. it's a Tom Turkey shot goblin or a buck grunt and an attending grunt, or if it's a buck roar, you know, a rooster pheasant. <laughs> when he's excited being kicked up um it's all based on emotion and it's yep. learning that emotional sound at the right time with the right rhythm at the right yep. place absolutely so. absolutely so, andy so, let's get so, go ahead go no i just going back to that i think the situ it's situational so you've gotta i would start always start minimalistic and um go from there and i think we talked you know at length about having confidence in your calling um being so so important man when i blow my call i expect to see that duck turn and if it doesn't it's almost like a surprise and i think a lot of young callers will blow their call in hopes that they can call the duck in and i think that translates to your calling like that confidence that I have is like, I'm going to blow this call and this bird is going to come in. And when it doesn't have, obviously it doesn't happen every time, but I think if you don't have that, that bravado that you put into your calling, um, you don't sound confident or something. I don't know. There's something to it, man. Every time I get around somebody that's a really good caller, it's, it's always, I can't believe that bird did come in. You know what I mean? Oh, a hundred percent. And, and, and that was the thing of guidance that you knew there's notes and there's things that I would do that if they're going to turn, this is what, this is what, you know, they're, they're going to react either you know this way or this way, either they're going to do it or not. And, and, and you just move on to the expert. Well, when it doesn't work, you, you, I quit. And the guy said, dude, they're still right there. You're going to stay on them. I said, dude, they're not doing it. Trust me. They're not going to do it. And so when I was guiding, I'd still, you know, so, okay, you want to hear it? I'll run at 90. I'll, I'll just do that 90 mile an hour murmur and, and just get so aggressive and knowing that it ain't going to do jack crap, but I'll blow up my 15 second routine of it and they'll get done and they'll hear it. Now they're like, wow, that sounded awesome. Geese didn't, they're still flying away. So, you know, <laughs> to me, yep. Yep. but you, today when I'm out there hunting with my wife, 
I'm out with Go my ahead. and I've taught my wife this. I mean, she'll sit there. Well, they're still right there. And I say, yeah, they're still right there. They're still going north and we're south of them. You know, it's just um, you just know it ain't gonna happen. So I put the call down. You know, and if 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 it's not gonna be the call, I tell you what, I do more than anything is calling. I start flagging harder. I'd put you know. If you're calling and, and they're not doing it, you know, if I'm going to do anything instead of keep calling, I might flag, you know, flag more aggressive. And go, go to the visual, what we, what we would call a, a, a visual button. Absolutely. Uh, I think that would be, a, you know, another completely different podcast, but uh, there's certainly some visual buttons out there uh, with waterfowl and the flagging would be high on my list for, for Canada geese. And I, I obviously do that regular when i'm out is the flag is a is a key component to especially traffic it's like i want those things to fly over so they can hear me that's all i'm trying to do and then once they hear me and they're like okay i got this and then they see my decoys and then the game is is uh is rigged in my favor now absolutely and and for the listeners out there, Andy, I, and I love the term that you got because it's about you know Andy's talking about the, you know finding that button, and you know it's kind of in the terminology we use in our world is you know hey she just knows how to push his button. So that'd be my wife. My wife knows my button, and she knows how to get that the, what button to use to get me to do what she wants. And that's the same way what Andy's talking about knowing that sequence and knowing that note. If I'm not sure what that bird is doing, I'm going to, you know, blow that note to get a reaction. You know, it's great that we can ramble and do all these notes. Let the bird react and let the bird respond and then let the bird do his thing. Now, if he responds and doesn't do his thing, then you call again. If he doesn't, you know, but if he's responding and then he reacts and then he's fulfilling it, you know what? It's, it's very, very limited. You know, yeah, you push I that button. Start with my, I always start with my key button. Like, yeah. If they react to that once, they're going to react to it again. And that, I think that's important that, especially with waterfowl hunting, is you'll watch some, maybe some inexperienced guys that are taking, you know, 50, 60, 70 yard shots. And a lot of it is, is being able to turn those birds at the right time over the blind. That's what gets you good shots. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of the time is obviously your decoy placement is huge. So that'd be an entire another podcast. But um, the ability to turn the birds over the blind with a call is is huge. Very huge. Exciting. So as a recap here, you know, we're talking about Andy's gone through talking about the buttons, his buttons that he he likes. And so when we got into the goose, Andy, what's worked for him, he has a basically we're going to call it. He, he's a he's a double cluck. He likes he has a sequence he uses. It, he uh, if you listen to the podcast, you know, he it does sound goosey. He also, you know, he kind of hits with that short read. He gets that sharp, fast cluck. And then he when the once the geese are kind of working in, he he gets into that great double cluck sound and then when andy's talking about duck hunt you know and this is very good because i believe that the same process works across the whole country well folks that concludes our second segment of the podcast know your buttons with andy parker this week we talked about the canada goose remember to go to george lynch hunting podcast hit the button of like and subscribe also go to legendarygearusa.com to check out those lovely and wonderful duck and goose calls that we use to hit those buttons also folks i'd like to take a shout out to our to our sponsors who do make a lot of this possible for us the apex ammo 
Domain Outdoors, G5 Broadheads, Killing Sticks, The Cross Footwear, Prime Archery, Retay, Sika Gear, Stan Releases, and Yeti. Folks, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. May the good Lord be your guide. Well, I'll be out there, rain is shining, all a part of the great design. Bring it on, I can never get enough Because that's what legends are made of